Well, church, congratulations. You've made it all the way to week number five in our chaos series. I don't know if it has felt more chaotic or less chaotic. I, I can't really decide. Uh, I just know that it's been crazy. We're hearing more and more stories of COVID chaos uh, in our homes. I think here in Utah, we're pretty lucky. We haven't been hammered by this thing. And let's pray that uh, we continue to be spared. Uh, but it has been pretty chaotic. I know, again, some of you parents out there with little ones at home, I can't even imagine what it's like. Tracy and I have our 17-year-old son and 19-year-old daughter at home. And even that is chaotic enough. And we just have two relatively uh, behaved children. But we thought to finish up our series on chaos, we're gonna to talk today about a world without chaos. And I don't know if you've ever tried to read the Bible from cover to cover. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook or on YouTube, could you put in the comments if you've ever done it? That'd be good for us to know. But we're gonna just, in 25 minutes today, we're gonna, we're gonna just summarize the entire Bible from the first chapter to the last chapter. So grab your Bibles, hang on, get ready because we're gonna fly through this. Here's my summary. Here's my summary of the whole, of the whole Bible. I separate the Bible into three sections. Genesis chapters one and two, the first two chapters of the Bible. Revelation chapters 21 and 22, the last two chapters of the Bible, and then everything in between. And, and the summary is basically this. The Bible is bookended by peace and order and tranquility. Genesis 1 and 2, we're going to look at that in a little bit. Revelation 21, 22. And then everywhere in between, it's just chaos. Think about it. Maybe if you've, if you've read the Bible, there, there are so many stories in the Bible, you're like, how can this story be in the Bible? I don't understand how this story can be in, in the Bible. There are some sections and stories in the Bible that we've had to sort of edit out of our kids' curriculum because some of it is so chaotic and, and, and quite frankly, PG-13 or worse that we can't, even, we, can't, we can't even really share it, certainly from the stage here at church, but also even for our kids and kids' content. And so we're gonna take a look at what God's word has to say about the world without chaos. Spoiler alert, this is Revelation 21 and 22. We're talking here about heaven. Someday there's gonna be a world without chaos. And there was once a world without chaos. That's what we see in Genesis chapters one and two. So let's, let's start with this. God created all matter out of nothing, Genesis one. And then he arranged it into the well-ordered world that we live in. On day six, he created humans to partner with him in establishing and maintaining that order. So open your Bibles if you have them or your Bible apps, I encourage you to open up. In fact, I've got mine all marked up and, and we encourage you to mark up your Bibles. You can do that, you're allowed to do that. Highlight it or highlight it on your apps as we go through this. But let's take a look at Genesis chapter one, verses one and two. It starts like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the word there for created is bara, which actually means that he created out of nothing. So that means that matter didn't exist and he created matter. But look at what it says in verse two. It says, the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but when God first created everything, according to this, according to some interpretations, and this is the interpretation that I take, God created but he didn't form it yet. 
He created matter. He created everything that there was, but it was still formless and empty. It still didn't have function yet. It still didn't have order yet. Now, we don't know for how long, but that's what I think this verse is saying. In fact, we see in Isaiah 45, the prophet Isaiah later on, he, he interpreted this. He said this, for the Lord is God and he created the heavens and the earth and he put everything in place. He made the world to be lived in, not to be a place of empty chaos because that's what I see in verse two of the Bible of Genesis chapter one. I see empty chaos. Nothing yet had form or function until, again, back in Genesis chapter one, until verse three. Verse three starts like this. And then God said, let there be light. And a little bit later, it says, and that is what happened. In fact, this is where I invite you to mark up your Bibles because with a yellow highlighter, I marked up everywhere in in chapter one where it says, let there be. And then I marked up also in yellow everywhere that it says, and this is what happened. So this is the pattern that we see in scripture. I don't know if you've ever noticed this before. Parents, I want you to pay attention to this because you're sitting with your students or with your kids on the couch right now. And wouldn't it be nice if this is how it worked in your world, right? That if, if, you, if mom said, let there be order in, the, in this bedroom, and that is what happened, wouldn't it be nice? We see that, I think, six, by my count, six or seven times in Genesis chapter one, this pattern. Let there be something. God started with light, which makes sense. Because without light, you can't see anything. Without light, you can't have order. Without light, there can't be truth. We're gonna come back to this. But I love that he said, let there be, and then that is what happened. Let, it, let there be a space between the waters, and that is what happened. Let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place, and that is what happened. Let there be lights that appear in the sky, the sun and the moon, and that is what happened. Let the waters swarm with fish, and that is what happened. Let the earth produce every sort of animal, and that is what happened. But there's one other part to this pattern that I want you to pay attention to. This is what I mark up with green highlighter in my Bibles. You can use whatever colors you want. But the the last part of this pattern that I see in scripture is it says, and God saw that it was good. So again, the pattern is God said, let there be, which which is showing us that God's word and God's will is the greatest power in the universe. All God had to do was speak and everything existed. God said, let there be, and that is what happened. And then at the end of the section, and we see this repeated throughout Genesis chapter one, it says, and God saw that it was good. So there's our pattern. God said, I want this to be, and it happened, and God said, it's good. You know what, to me, you know what this means when it says that God saw that it was good? It's telling us that it was the order that God wanted. I want you to hear this. Order is good. Now, I know some of you are probably saying, oh, I like chaos. I like craziness. I like, I like just to kind of fly by the seat of my pants. Well, I don't, I don't think you would really like that if, if your world was truly turned into chaos. See, God was ordering the world. He wasn't okay with Genesis 1 verse 2. He wasn't okay with a formless and empty and functionless creation. He wasn't okay with empty chaos. He wanted to bring order into the world. And that is what he's doing in those first verses in Genesis chapter one. But I want you to see this other thing, because in verse 26, there's a really important 
verse that I think helps us to understand how God was going to not just create order, but keep order. He says this, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And here's what he said to the human beings. He said, fill the earth and govern it. And see, what God is doing is, he, he doesn't say this to anyone else. He doesn't tell anyone else that I want you to, I want you to govern. I want you to help me maintain order. I want you to help me maintain peace. He only says this to human beings. Human beings, it turns out, are the pinnacle of creation. In fact, as we read this, as we study this, we realize that God actually created all the order for the sake of the human beings. He created the world the way he did, and the human beings were the last part of creation, the, the pinnacle, the crowning thing in creation. But I love, that, I love how he did it. Again, this is such a great sign for parents. He created everything. He created an atmosphere. He created a world that was suitable for us to live in, for us to flourish in, and then he put people there. Now, I want to speak just for a second to all of you young people watching who are dating or about to get married or thinking about getting married someday, I want you to think about this. Parents, you can think about this who are already married. This is a great pattern for us. You need to get your life in order, and when you get your life in order, then maybe God will bring the next thing into your life, right? When young men, if you get your life in order, maybe God will bring that woman into your life. That's what God did for Adam, right? He, God ordered the whole world, then he dropped Adam in there and he said, I'm missing something. And then he dropped Eve there. I think you need to get your life in order and then God will allow great things to happen. I think this is good for parents too. Parents, you need to, when you first get married, when Tracy and I first got married, we had some work to do. We had some things to work out in our relationship in our marriage. And it was important for us to, you know, have a decent job and make income and, and love each other, for example. Those are some examples of ways that you can put your house in order, husband and wife, before you bring kids into the world. This is the pattern in Genesis 1. It can't just be formless and empty. It can't be empty chaos in your house, in your home. You have to put things in order and then great things can happen. This is exactly what God does. He says, we're gonna make human beings in our image and we're gonna let them fill the earth and govern it. In other words, he said, you are gonna be a part of my keeping order in the world. That's what God said. That's what he wanted. And I love what happens next here at the end in verse 31. It says, and it was very good. Now, maybe you've heard this before, but I love this about the, the last section in Genesis chapter one is all throughout Genesis one, it says God, God said, and it was, and God said it was good, but it wasn't until he made human beings and he said, no, this is the finishing touch. This is what we need to make sure to have. And then he stepped back and he said, now, now that's very good. It kind of reminds me of years ago when I, when I built a deck with my dad on, on our, at his home and uh, it was way bigger than we expected it to be. Uh, we weren't really good at engineering or planning for it. But I remember after weeks of working on it, we, we stepped back and we looked at it and we had that glass of lemonade and we just looked at each other and we said, it is very good. Admit it, husbands, uh, moms and dads, when you mow your lawn, admit it, maybe you can make comments on this on Facebook or YouTube, do you, be honest, do you, do you step back after you mow the lawn and do you, do you like to look at the lines in the lawn? 
I do, I admit it, or actually my wife does when she mows our lawn. <laughs> but it's, it's, this is, this is kind of what's happening here is God steps back after organizing the world. I like to do this in my garage when I organize my garage every, every spring. He organized the world and he stepped back like I do in my garage and I say, that's good. That's how it should be. And that's what this means. God is saying, this is how things should be. Remember that. This is how things should be. Genesis 1. Genesis 2. This is how things should be. Order. Peace. Relationship. We see that man walks with woman and man and woman walk with God in the garden. I mean, it's this beautiful picture. And then in your Bibles, Turn to chapter three of Genesis and you'll see that the first humans rebelled against God's well-ordered plan. And chaos has ruled ever since. Let's read that in Genesis chapter three. If you have your Bibles, again, I encourage you to, to open it up with me. And it says there, the woman was convinced. We're talking about Eve here. So, so, the serpent comes, if you don't know the story, you probably know the story, but just real quickly, the serpent comes and, and says, hey, are you sure that you can't eat from that tree right there? You see, God had said, you can eat from any tree in the garden except for these two trees. And the serpent said, are you sure? Did God really say that? And the serpent deceived Eve. And the Bible says that Eve saw the tree that they were forbidden to eat from, even though they were allowed to eat from any other tree that they wanted. Isn't this typical of kids? But it's just that one, that forbidden fruit. Well, of course, that's what you're going to go for. And it says that she saw it was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And then she gave some of it to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And so look at what's happening right here. Order, here's how I define order, a well-ordered world. A well-ordered world is where God is on the throne and we respect his boundaries. That's, that's how I would define a well-ordered world. God's on the throne and we respect his boundaries. But chaos is the reverse. We put ourselves on the throne and we ask God to respect our boundaries. Does that sound familiar? Isn't that just such a great description of how the world is today, the secular world is? I'm on the throne. God can't tell me what to say or do. I don't care what it says in in the word. Young people, I want you to hear this because you live in a culture where, where you're putting yourselves or at least all of your friends are. Everyone is putting themselves on the throne and they're saying, I can do whatever I want. And if I'm gonna let God into my life, I'm going to set boundaries for him. You can't, you can't touch my sexuality. You can't touch my finances. You can't touch my marriage. You can't touch my spending habits. See, but what happens is, well, we're gonna see it, Chaos. Look at what it says in Isaiah 45, 9. What sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator. I love this. Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it? Saying, stop, you're doing it wrong. This reminds me of so many stories that I can't share on video because I don't want to get in trouble. But there are so many times where my kids, when they were young, when they were little, they... They thought they knew so much more than mom and dad knew. You know, when we would give them boundaries, they would naturally rebel against boundaries, right? Maybe moms and dads, look at your kids right now on your couches and let, you can share for, your, for yourself whether that's true in your family as well. Maybe it was just our family, but I have a feeling there are more families 
where this happens. And look at what, look at what the prophet is saying. Sorrow awaits those people. I think another word is to say that chaos. When we say, God, I'm on the throne, you're not, chaos is the result. Maybe you can think about it in your own life or this week with your small groups or even with your families, use those discussion questions for today's topic and really dig into this and really talk about where you've seen this principle at work in your own life. But if you read through scripture, Genesis chapter four, I mean, just a few, let me just bring you through it just right here in my Bible. Genesis four, Cain and Abel. Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Chaos. And we see in Genesis chapter six, you know, the story of the flood, the Lord observed, verse five, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. In Genesis 11, we already looked at this in our chaos series earlier, the story of the Tower of Babel, where they're trying to create a tower to make their name famous. They did it for themselves. This is kind of maybe the first picture of national pride. I don't know. In Genesis 19, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's just the first, the first several chapters of the Bible. But as you, pay, as you leaf through this entire book, you'll just see story after story after story of God coming to his people saying, I want relationship with you, but I want relationship the way it should be, well-ordered. What is that? God's on the throne, you're not. God's in charge, you're not. God's the king and you obey his boundaries, not you're the king and God respects yours. And we see what happens time and time and time again. And it's crazy to me how this, this book that is, there's, it has stories that are thousands of years old and we can still relate to it. You know why? Because human nature is human nature. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned, every single human being has been born into that sin. And that sin nature, the way we define it in our pursuit series is really simple. We say sin is, is choosing to, uh, to elevate your opinion above God's opinion. Now, there's another word for God's opinion. It's called truth. See, when you, when you and your spouse get in a fight, when Tracy and I get in a fight, usually neither one of us is 100% right. She's usually a little bit more right than I am, but neither one of us has the corner on truth. Both of us are coming at it IMO, in my opinion. In my opinion, here's how, here's how I view this. Here, here's how I see this. But when, it, when we're in relationship with God, it actually doesn't work like that. God's opinion is actually called the truth. And our opinion is still an opinion. So unless we align ourselves with, with God in, in his word, in his way, then we're going the wrong way. And so all through scripture, from Genesis 3 all the way up to Revelation 20, read it for yourself. We see chaos, which is the result of those who are arguing with their creator. And then we get to the last two chapters of the Bible. And the Bible ends with a picture of a world without chaos, similar to the Garden of Eden in the first two chapters. In heaven, there'll be no more disorder physically, emotionally, relationally or spiritually. I want you to see the word I'm using there. I'm calling it disorder, chaos. You know, the order that God wanted in the Garden of Eden, God is going to have someday again when we all get to be with him. And when this battle and this struggle on this earth is over, 
Let's take a look at it from Revelation 21. It says in verses one and two, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is John. He's been given this revelation from God and he sees this picture of heaven. And he says, it says, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And he says, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Look at how it's using this relational language. I love this. God, that's all God wanted. He just wanted relationship with us, but well-ordered relationship, relationship where he's on the throne and we're not. And here he's gonna have that once again. And we read in verse three and verse four, it says, and I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, I love this, look, God's home is now among his people. Does that sound familiar? Genesis one and two. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Look, all that, all that stuff, death and sorrow and crying and pain, emotional, relational, physical, spiritual chaos is gonna be gone. There's gonna be no more curse. And why? Because God is gonna be with us and we'll be his people. We'll live in relationship with him. And by the way, we'll also live in relationship with one another. Some people think that there aren't gonna be relationships in heaven. That is so untrue. Relationships are gonna be perfected in heaven. That's what you need to know. But this picture is a picture of a return to this, this garden of Eden. And I can't wait for it. And right now, that's, that might be how you're thinking. You're probably saying, man, I can't, I can't wait for that because of the chaos you're experiencing right now. Some of you, maybe you are going through some stuff relationally or financially or physically even, maybe with this COVID crisis. Some of you maybe are going through some things and, and this is just what you need to know is, is someday this picture is gonna be true. This reality is gonna be our reality. But I wanna show you one more scripture because I, I think this scripture really ties this whole, this whole understanding of the Bible together. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, it says, God who said, let there be light in the darkness. See, he's referring to Genesis 1, verse 3. The God who brought order by saying, let there be light. It says, that God has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. I love this, this verse because to me, it ties together that whole story of the Bible. You know, peace in the first two chapters and and peace in the last two chapters and chaos everywhere in between. But you know what the antidote to the chaos is? You know what the solution is to your chaos? It's light. Just like that was the solution in Genesis 1, 3. The first thing God said is let there be light. And if you wanna have no more chaos in your life, if you wanna have freedom and peace spiritually and in every other way, it starts with Jesus Christ. That's what this verse is saying is that God said, let there be light in the darkness. He spoke that over creation and the chaos had to obey. All of matter had to obey. And what this verse is saying is that he can speak that over your soul and your soul will obey. That God can speak light into your dark, into your dark heart, but only if you would turn to Jesus in faith. You know, maybe you've, you've been watching this live stream for several weeks now. Maybe you've gone through much of this chaos series with us. Maybe you don't even go to Alpine Church. 
Maybe someone just invited you or you found our video on Facebook. But I, I want you to know that this can be true of you. You don't have to come to one of our churches. You don't have to, you don't have to attend a, a physical building. This can be true of you if you would turn to Jesus in faith. See, the Bible says that that sin problem, you know, that desire to put ourselves on the throne instead of God on the throne, that sin problem is one that we all share. Me, you, everyone, your kids, my kids, your parents, my parents. The Bible says that the only solution to that is letting the light of Christ shine on our hearts. And the only way that can happen is if you turn to him and you say, God, I recognize I'm a sinner. I recognize I brought brokenness and chaos into my life and I wanna be done with it. And the Bible says if you would turn to him in faith, like genuinely turn to him in faith and say, I wanna receive what Jesus did on the cross for me, for my sins. The Bible says the moment you do that, then that light, that light fills your soul and that light changes your life, first spiritually, but I think what'll happen, this is what's happened in my life and in my marriage and in our family, it'll start changing it in every way. And so today I wanna to invite you as we're closing this series on chaos and I hope you'll join us as we continue to have our live streams online. But I wanna invite you if you haven't ever done this before and parents, maybe you can ask your kids if they haven't ever done this to, to take a moment with you and I wanna end just with a prayer, a simple prayer of faith. And if you would pray this prayer, some of you maybe for the very first time, the Bible says that you can have that light that Jesus wants to shine in your heart. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I praise you. And I invite you to pray this right now, even if you want to, if you wanna pray this, this prayer at home. Lord God, I praise you that you want to bring light into my life and that you've made it possible for the chaos to be expelled. I recognize I'm a sinner and I want to turn to you in faith. I know that Jesus went to the cross and died for me and I put my trust in him for my salvation. Thank you for this free gift. In Jesus' name, amen.